I'm AJ Bianco, host of Reflect Ed, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Episode 118 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we're talking ending the year remotely with Google. The end of the year is upon us, and we've got some of those administrative tasks and those cleanup tasks and all sorts of things to think about. So we've got lots of ideas for you. Of course, we've got Google News and updates. If you're a big Chrome user, you're going to love this one. Uh, We've got stuff in the mailbag to share with you, as well as a couple of blogs. So Casey, you ready to start? Let's do it. Let's take a look at our Google News and updates. So today, the keyword blog has something I'm pretty excited about. This is because I am a self-proclaimed tab hoarder. Mm. (laughs) I use Google Chrome, of course, for everything and across all of my devices, but I am notorious for having so many tabs open at once. It's just how I operate. The title of this blog post is Keep Tabs on Your Tabs in Google Chrome. And what they're adding into Chrome, which is now apparently available if you are in Google Chrome beta. I am not. I am not ready to um, test anything. I want it ready for prime time when it's ready to go. But some of you may have been testing this. And it allows you to create tab groups and organize them and actually title them. And it will add the title next to the tab. It does have a color. I don't know if you can control the color yet, but y'all know teachers love some color coding. So one thing they've been testing for several months is using it just to organize into things like ASAP this week, later, so you can put progress on those tabs. Need to follow up, completed. It says one pro tip is that you can use an emoji as a group name, such as a heart or a book for articles to read. Uh oh, teachers are going to love this so much. <laughs> teachers already love color coding, organizing, and emojis. This is like the the newest thing. This is going to be <laughs> the thing that gets all the teachers to use Google Chrome who have hated it from from the start. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. apparently, it is coming soon, rolling out to everyone. But you can get it if you are in Chrome beta. So I'm excited to see this. I I need I need more tab management in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I can just see people going, "What you you can." You can color code it. I don't even know what it is. I don't even care what it is. If you can color code it, I'm going to use it. So they're they're going to be on that bandwagon pretty quick, I think. Yeah, if you can slap a sticker on it and put a what was it? Drop an emoji. Wasn't that what we were? Bitmoji. We said emoji, that forever. Right. Drop a bitmoji. Oh Lord, if they add bitmojis, not just oh emojis. Um, yeah, we're sold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Then everybody will be using it. Yeah, love that. All right, so we're going to keep on moving with the news when it comes to Google, and this one involves Google Meet. 
See, in the past, we've had Google Hangouts. That's kind of been the big thing. And then Google Meet came around, and that was the video meeting option for the enterprise customers. It was supposed to be kind of like a step up for the ones who are the paying customers. So now Google has decided that Google Meet is for everyone. It says Google Meet is here to host your video meetings for free. And so basically what that means is anyone with an email address can sign up and start using Google Meet by just going to meet.google.com. And so you're able to create meetings, you know, give them a nickname, share the links with everyone. You also have the expanded tile view, which we've all been so excited about during remote learning. So that's going to be available to everyone um, there's lots of other features that it's got, including the live closed captions that it will do so that you can immediately see what people are saying right there in text right on the screen. And so um, we already knew that Google was working to sunset Google Hangouts and that it was coming. But now they've taken this sort of premium uh, video meeting feature and made it available for everyone. And so if you haven't started using Google Meet, uh, you might check it out. And whether you're using your school account or not, this is something that I think everybody should be able to use now. And speaking of video meetings, let's switch that to video calls and talk about Google Duo. So I don't know that many people who actually use this. So maybe if you're listening out there and you are a fan, you need to leave us a message and let us know. But they've added some new features. And Google Duo is an app that you can install on an Android or an iOS device. And it actually works on the web. I didn't even realize this until now. But there are new features that they've added that I think will add to the togetherness that we all find ourselves in at the moment. Spending time at home, connecting with families through video calls, they've added some special features. So one thing that they have is the ability to doodle on your video call so that everyone can see and you can also surprise them with fun effects and masks, I would say, a la Snapchat. And there are just some really fun interactivities that they've added into this. So you can add pizzazz to your video calls with some new effects, <laughs> like putting your face in the middle of a vase of flowers, <laughs> which is cracking me up at the moment. But yeah, it does kind of remind me of some of those Snapchat kind of features. But the doodling's pretty cool. And then they're also adding some group call functionality that we'll be able to use and preview on Chrome alongside their new layout. And so you can see more people at the same time. So very interested to see where this goes and how this kind of overlaps with Meet as well, because you can make calls there. So I don't know, because if they add these masks and these <laughs> filters into Google Meet, teachers are going to riot. <laughs> They're having a hard enough time getting their kids to pay attention. So, um, But this is super cool for families connections is this not a classroom tool i'm sorry i was busy taking screenshots of myself with these goofy duo filters <laughs> might stick put some of those in the show notes if i can if i can get around to it so those are pretty fun if you've done any snapchat filters before then this is right on the same page so uh yeah very very good stuff this is cool i'm gonna have to play with duo a little bit more now so the last 
update that we wanted to share with you is that we are getting close to the end of season four of the Google Teacher podcast. And so that means if you've been a, a listener for very long, you'll remember that at the end of the season, we always pull together tips from you. And so it's time. It is time to share your tips. So if you have an idea, a tip or a trick or a way that you use Google tools in the classroom. We want to make an episode all about you. And so to do that, of course, we do need your tips. So start thinking right now, what could you share with the listeners of the Google Teacher Podcast that could be helpful to them? Is it a little hack that you use? Is it a a feature or a keyboard shortcut or a little thing that people always go, why didn't anybody ever teach me that? or a teaching idea that you use, whatever you've come up with. Now that you've got this idea in your mind, I want you to pause the podcast, run over to googleteacherpodcast.com and go record us a voice message. Run to googleteacherpodcast.com and record it and we will gather all of those together and put them, put together another tips episode featuring you. So we're super excited about that. Again, googleteacherpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. So the end of the year is approaching. And for some of us, I know uh, listening, the end of the year is already here. And so that means that in some ways, a lot of the things are still the same. There's still, you know, some of the, the routines and the inventories and the forms and everything that we've got to fill out at the end of the year. And that doesn't change the grades and all of that. But with the remote learning situation that so many of us are in, there are some things that are a little bit different too. And so regardless, there are lots of great Google options that are out there that can help you get through this end of the year part as efficiently and effectively as possible. There are lots and lots of things that we can do. And one particular item that seems to be hot right now is how to clean up Google Classroom. Well, we actually did an entire episode on this back in episode number 88, if you want to dig deeper. But I'm going to give you a quick overview. And I feel like things are pretty much the same in terms of how we're going to clean up. But you're going to think differently about the design and where we go from here. So one thing is, you know, reflecting on the year, what worked, what didn't, and probably reflecting on both sides of this, what worked when you were still meeting face to face and what was working in remote learning. So as you do that, that will help you decide how you want to clean things up and the things that you want to save and the things that you want to delete. Then in Google Classroom, you want to review whatever you have left under that to-do list. Make sure that you return all the work. Um, if you need to give feedback or grades, whatever status that is, as I, I feel like that's a moving target for many of you right now. But you know, cleaning that up, making sure you don't have anything that wasn't returned, and just making sure that all kids have um, received that work back. And then, of course, the folders, y'all. I think I've already shared how much teachers love to organize things and clean up things. But um, first of all, do not delete the classroom folder. That's my general recommendation. Some people may disagree, but I repeat, do not delete the classroom folder. And I mean the folder that's created in Google Drive the first time you go into Google Classroom. There's a main folder and then you'll have subfolders contained within that for each class. Leave that alone, y'all. I know it's tempting, but 
just just like Google Classroom continue to do its magic for you. The other thing to remember is those calendars that exist. So that's another fantastic feature that's auto-created when you're using Google Classroom. But um, if it drives you crazy, yes, you can delete those calendars. And especially if you've ended up having to create multiple classes for different reasons this, this go around because we've had so many changes and remote learning and things like that. But you could also consider printing those calendars too if you like paper, um, that is possible to print those calendars and keep those there. Um, and then you may also want to archive your classes. So once you clean things up, you can archive. And I recommend that you go to those three dots from your main Google Classroom page where you have the, the little cards for each of your classes. Go to the three dots and go to archive. This will put it in the archive. And some people are really adamant to permanently delete things. I'm a fan of the archive because I never know when somebody's going to come ask for something later and I want to come back and get it. So I like to leave it in archive, but if you really have to delete it, you can go into your archive and actually confirm and delete everything there. So those are just some quick Google Classroom cleanup tips as you continue to progress and wrap up the school year. Yeah, those are those are really good. Um, and again, if you want to go back to episode 88, we did sort of a deep dive into all of these if you want to if you want to do a little bit more with that. Another part of the end of the year that is especially tricky now when it comes to remote learning is the checkout procedures. Um, I know a lot of times whenever the school year gets over with, you know, for me, um, a lot of times I've gotten that checkout form where the it, it comes from the office or the principal or whoever, and it's just a big list of things that we need to do before the school year is over to wrap up and confirm that everything is tied up and buttoned up and ready to, to shut down for the year. And I actually got an email recently from someone saying, hey, we have this checkout form that we usually do on paper and the teachers fill out all of these different parts of it that, um, you know, they're just things that they need to do. And so they'll either check them off or they'll list inventory or something. And then whenever they're done, there are a handful of people who need to initial it or sign it. And she said, hey, is there any way that we can do that? And so this plays so nicely with, um, a teacher checkout process. It also plays nicely with a student end of the class. Do you have everything done that you need to do? Um, you know, any of these uh, checklist, checkout, uh, gather last information things. If you're not already thinking about Google Forms, that is absolutely where you need to go. In fact, I heard of a local school here in Indiana that had a paper form that they wanted the teachers to fill out. And so they mailed it to all of them at home and then said, hey, will you take a picture of this and email it back to us? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, somebody please teach them about Google Forms. Seriously, we don't we don't need to be doing that. So you create a Google form. In this case, let's let's look at this from the the teacher checkout form. You make a Google form that has all of the things that you want teachers to check off or provide information for. And of course, with the checkoffs, it's easy to just make checkboxes. Um, if you need to collect actual information from them, just a short answer will do. And then whenever the teachers submit that. Of course, make sure that there's some identifier on one of those forms. So you might collect their email address as part of the form, or you might even make a 
you know, a short answer where they can type their name or their email address. You know, either one of those will work. And then whenever it's done, of course, the great thing about forms is that it collects all that information into a spreadsheet. And so if you open up forms and you hit the responses tab, there's the little green spreadsheet icon and you can click on it and go see all that information. Now, if you need other people to sign off on things, like for instance, if you need the initials of the building principal and the curriculum director and, you know, whoever else, the maintenance person or whatever, this is where all of that can happen is in the spreadsheet. So just make additional columns for those people to put their initials and then they can just type their initials in whenever they verified what they need to verify. And so, of course, that can work. Um, you know, on a teacher scale for students, on a school building scale for teachers, on, you know, a school district scale for building admins. I mean, any of this stuff could potentially work. So um, don't forget about Google Forms when it comes to, especially when it comes to all of the record keeping at the end of the year. And my guess is once you make that transition, that's going to be how you do it from now on anyway, because Mm -hmm. going digital is going to be easier and give you a cleaner record. So if your school hasn't done that, I know I remember the massive checkout sheet. And I was one of those teachers who was probably at the school the longest trying to finish everything up, get everything turned in. But there are some great digital alternatives that will save time, save paper in the long run, whether we're having to do this remotely or not. So it is an emotional process this year in particular, too. So, you know, keep that in mind that going back to collect your things out of your classroom, if you haven't done that yet, that is going to be a feeling you may not be prepared for. I think I'm hearing this from a lot of teachers, and it's just very emotional, whether you're predicting that or not. So, um, Yeah, I hope that the process becomes easier and that these new tools follow us into whatever the new normal is. I want to share a few Google Drive cleanup tips as well. So, you know, we we talked about Google Classroom and I have a podcast and blog post that I did last year called 13 Tips to Organize Your Google Drive. And I'm just going to pull some of these from this list that I think are going to be particularly helpful right now. And Google Drive can become a hot mess. Mine is I have so much stored in there. And like I said, teachers like to clean things up. So one of the number one things that I tell teachers and that teachers ask me all the time, how do I get rid of this shared with me? Uh, Y'all leave, leave shared with me alone. That's that's the bottom line. Leave it alone because it's a filter. It is showing you things that have been shared with you. Yes, you can click on that little add to drive button and then you can organize it to your heart's content. Put it in your color code, your color coded folders. Um, do whatever you want, but just ex- accept the fact that that's like a feed that's telling you what has been shared with you. And yes, you may have a lot, especially if you've been using Google Classroom and things that your students have shared with me. But that's my general rule. Leave it alone. Um, you know, just accept that that's how that works because you don't want to mess anything up. And you know what? The other piece of this is I always try to remind everyone how easy it is to search. Google Drive. So when you feel like you can't find something because it's hidden in the shared with me folder or wherever it is, just remember you can search and there's very advanced search features and filters that are there to help you with that. That saves me all the time when I'm looking for something. 
The other thing that I wanted to mention is organizing those folders and subfolders. If you have not taken the time to do that, cleaning up at the end of the year, this might become very handy. But remember what I said about the Google Classroom folder. Leave that where it is. Just just, just leave it. <laughs> but all the other files that are not necessarily coming from Google Classroom and have to do with school, it helps to create those school year master folders. So whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the 2019-2020 school year and put all the other subfolders and everything else underneath that. So when you are going back next year and like, wait a second, what did we do last year? And you want to go back and look at something, you can pull that up. So it always helped me. Yes, even back in the day when I had the paper folders to have those organized by the school year to help us keep everything together. Now, also using the file and folder descriptions is going to help you find things more quickly in Google Drive. So if you didn't know this, you can actually select something from Google Drive, click on that little information button, and you can add a description. So when you have <laughs> so much space in a title, yes, you can put a pretty long title in your Google files, but sometimes it doesn't make sense to be in the title, but you want to add a note um, to remember something. Maybe it's something that went wrong with that lesson and you need to fix it. You can actually add that into the description and save that there. So as you're contemplating and reflecting, as we mentioned earlier, this is a good little self-practice to start is to add those descriptions and notes. And of course, the um, color coding that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't color coded your folders, y'all, I can't tell you how many times I've presented and put my drive on the screen. And when teachers see a folder that's a different color, I mean, it's like mic drop moment. <laughs> it, would, it just amazes me at how something so small can make teachers so happy. So if you are a trainer, if you are um, delivering any little tips to your teachers, make sure they know this. They love this. So right click from Drive and you can go to change color. And you, yes, you can do rainbow. <laughs> do you know there are so many teachers who have to organize everything in the rainbow color? I don't know if this is just an elementary thing. I don't <laughs> think it is, but um, you can do that. So yeah, you can organize your class period stuff into a rainbow and make that work. Numbering also helps me out a lot because numbering puts things in the order that I want it as opposed to just how the naming convention ended up. When you look at something in an alphabetical order in Google Drive, it drives me crazy sometimes. So I will add numbers and emojis or special characters. So yes, you can put those in your titles and in your folder names. And you can go to copypastecharacter.com, Emojipedia. Um, there's a million of them now where you can just copy and paste those little icons um, and emojis and things like that. So I do have one even for the Google Teacher podcast folder where I have a little microphone. So I always know when I see that microphone that I'm in the right folder. So just a few quick tips there to help you organize and clean up your Google Drive. Those are really good. And I'm also wondering when it comes to organizing by color, I wonder how many out there have to use the Roy G. Biv, like the, you know, the order of the colors on the color spectrum, your red, orange, yellow, blue, oh, indigo. They do. Yeah. Violet. I yep. watched somebody. Have you seen how many teachers have to organize their Chrome extensions by color? Oh, you, no. I didn't this? even know that was a thing. Mine are yes. just a jumbled mess. Oh, yeah. It's a... Mine are, well, my, and mine are usually 
by need, <laughs> not by uh-huh. color. But yes, uh-huh. I have seen and and they go crazy if it's not in the rainbow order. So, you know, wow. they've got to have all the red okay. extensions. Yeah. It's okay. a serious disorder. <laughs> well, hey, hey, more power to them. Mine are just a jumbled mess. In fact, I've got a few of them that I don't think I've touched for more than a year that I haven't even taken off of there. So, um, yeah, mine are, mine are a total mess. So um, I had one quick thing to add here um, at the at the end of this. As we're ending the year remotely, I think one thing we might want to consider, too, is those last video calls that we might have with our students. And so... Um, you know, thinking about that ahead of time and what we might want to say and what we might want to include, giving the kids an opportunity to see each other. And it might even be fun to just have some sort of fun last video call with the kids um, and do some some sort of neat thing. So a couple of ideas. For one, what if you did a scavenger hunt? I tell you what, my kids have found this YouTube channel. I can't even remember what it's called, but they're doing these regular like weekly scavenger hunts where they give you a big list of things to go find in your house. And you have to run like a crazy person around your house, pick up all of those things, and then try to take a picture of it and text it to their number. And whoever gets it texted in first wins a prize. So pretty fun, pretty cool thing. Of course, you wouldn't have to do the, you know, picture and the text and everything, but um, that could be a fun little thing to do just as, you know, a fun community class, you know, one less hurrah thing. Of course, playing Kahoot games and Gimkit games, you know, some of those games, um, you can, of course, do those on a Google Meet call. If you pull the game up and you share your screen so the students are able to see the screen, it's almost like, you know, seeing it on a projector screen. And then if the students have two tabs or two windows that are open side by side on their screen, they can have one of them with the video call with the game on it and then another one so that they can ring in. Or they could just log into the game using a cell phone if they've got it. And so you could always play review games, but you could also make a fun Kahoot game like with a little, um, you know, like a little fun fact or surprising thing about each of your students or memories from the school year or something like that. So to get to do one of those at the end of the year could be really fun. And then finally, there's also the virtual field trips option. If you use a tool like Google Earth or, um, you know, Google Maps Street View to be able to uh, show students what it's like to be in a certain spot, um, you know, and then just share your screen as you do that. It's almost like taking them on a little bit of a virtual field trip. So um, those are a couple of cool things that you can do with your video calls as you wrap up the school year. And so lots and lots of good things. Of course, we're curious to hear what you do as well. So if you have anything to add to this, or if you have any other suggestions or whatever, please do go to googleteacherpodcast.com and record a video message. And we'll get that on one of these last episodes, including the tips from our listeners episode that's coming up. So please do go to googleteacherpodcast.com and leave us a message. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. Let's jump into the mailbag, Matt. You ready? I'm ready to jump. Let's do it. <laughs> we've been we've been jumping into this bag now for a few years. It just felt appropriate. So our first question here comes from Debbie. So here's the question. She says, is there a way to, to disable the chat inside Google Meet? 
It's very distracting when they are messaging each other or writing nonsense. So totally <laughs> feel you on this, Debbie. Yeah. Um, lots of teachers are complaining about this, although it is a nice feature when you want it. I don't believe there is a way to completely disable it. I did go into my admin account and I, I didn't see it there and I didn't see it in any kind of settings. Although when you when you go look at the Google Support Center, this has been like a huge topic that everybody's asking about. And pretty much every answer from Google says, submit this as a feature request. So in other words, give feedback that you want the ability to disable this. Um, That's my direction for you right now. If anybody else knows something else that I just didn't pick up on, um, please share that with us. In fact, that'd make a great tip to add to next week's episode. So um, any of those settings and things that you have experienced. So I'm not doing this every day with students. So I know others of you out there have much more expertise. Um, I've got one from Philip Trot from Bermuda. I know it's got to be warmer than it is in Indiana right now. And he says, I swear I've been listening to your podcast for years. I must have 100, 100 subscriptions, but yours is the only one I listen to weekly. Oh, thanks, Philip. Uh, and so he asks, here's his question. He says, is there a way to subscribe to the keyword blog? I didn't see anything on there and would prefer to receive a weekly email or something to remind me to go in there and check. If you have any suggestions, I'd appreciate it. So I was looking and I'm like Philip and I was not able to find a subscribe by email button. However, there are a couple of options. For one, the the keyword blog has RSS feeds. And so it's easy. To, they're easy to find if you go into a category of the keyword blog. For instance, if you go into the education category of the keyword blog, there's a button for the RSS feed. Um, in fact, if you if you want to get one for the entire keyword blog, it's just blog.google slash RSS. And so what you can do with an RSS feed is you can do a couple things. One is you can subscribe to an RSS reader, which will pull in the new articles and display them for you to read whenever you go look at that. And I know RSS readers were kind of all the big thing several years ago. I don't hear people talking about them as much anymore, but... Um, What you can do with an RSS reader is plug in the blogs that you want to read or wherever you're getting your articles and it'll pull them in and organize them and sort them by date and, you know, make it nice and easy to read. And so an RSS reader might be a good option. Another thing that I found, and now this may cause email overload. So I don't know. You may have to check it out and see how you want to do it, but there is the service called IFTTT which stands for if this, then that. And it basically lets you create these, you know, if this, then that, if this one thing happens, then do this, you know, kind of like an automation. And so there is this RSS feed to email automation, where if something shows up in this RSS feed, it gets emailed to you. Automatically, you don't have to do anything. Just as soon as it shows up in the RSS feed, you get an email. And so you might check that out and set that up if that sounds like something you want to do. Um, and then, of course, the G Suite updates blog. This is an older one that's built on Blogger, but they still do all of the G Suite updates um, through this one blog. And that one actually does have an email subscription option. So you can, you can actually, um, you know, subscribe to that one and get the, and get the email. So, a couple of different options. I don't think that there's an easy button to push to get weekly keyword blog emails, although that would be really nice. 
Yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing to that because you'd think you wouldn't still have to do this the hard way and do the whole RSS thing. But um, just so everyone knows, there is a way to subscribe directly to the Google for Education newsletter as well. Um, I think what's confusing is when they created that keyword blog, it was pulling from all the other blogs. But you can't really find anything except just the RSS feed. So um, I am going to throw a link in there, too, so you can subscribe to that newsletter. And it does come um, not every week, but pretty frequently with some good information. That's a good one. I appreciate that. Uh, We've got one more quick thing that we had to share. This is a voice message from John from St. Louis. He has a very important question. John, take it away. Hey, Matt and Casey. Uh, This is John from St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a quick app smash question for you. Um, if I'm using Google Meets and Google Translate, can I get my hot dogs turned into bratwurst? Just wondering. Thanks. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> I, I, John, I think, you need to tr- I think you need to try this out yourself and let us know, okay? So, so go ahead and try to translate your hot dogs into bratwurst and report back to us where it will be anxiously awaiting your reply. Yeah, I'm just wondering if this was a response to the mystery meats. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Maybe this is Google Meet. Maybe you can plug in one kind of meat and translate it to another. I don't know. We'll have to see. So we're just about to wrap up this episode and Casey and I have a handful of blog posts that you might want to check out. Uh, for one, for me, uh, Tech Like a Pirate, my newest book is out and it is available on Amazon and paperback and in Kindle. I think last week when we announced it, the Kindle version wasn't totally out yet. And so if you're interested in checking that out, we do have a link in the show notes or you can go you know, to your favorite online book retailer. I also do have a free Tech Like a Pirate resources page that has lots of articles and ideas and tips and tricks that are totally free whether you buy the book or not. And you can find that at techlikeapirate.com. I've got a couple of quick articles to share. One is 20 ways Google tools can make the end of the year rock. If you are still wrapping up the end of the year, this post could give you some ideas that you and your students could really love. And then I've got one more that is a lot of fun. If you're doing videos, either at the end of the year or you're starting to think ahead to what you want to do next year, I've got this post called Eight YouTube-Inspired classroom video ideas. So if you want some neat ideas, some neat video prompts for your students that are based on popular YouTube video genres, like the the kinds of videos that people do, there are some really fun ones. One of my favorite ones in there is doing an unboxing video and having an educational twist on that. That's really fun. So anyway, links to all of those in the show notes, of course. And I've got an interview to share with you that I did with Principal Evan Robb. And we talked all about this whole remote learning thing, where we've been, where we're going, and kind of our hopes for the future of education. The opportunity that we have right now is pretty great. And so even though that we're facing some hard times, it's been extremely frustrating. But what we hope to come back to and the changes that we hope will now take place in education because of what we've just gone through and the importance that we're now going to see on technology and digital learning, the things that Matt and I have been talking about for years now, Mm -hmm. have become 
in, you know, so much greater and it suddenly in the spotlight. So really great to talk with him. He had a lot of great ideas and I really appreciate getting that administrator's perspective what it's like trying to run a school, trying to handle all of this, the communication, you know, what are you doing about grading? We had a great conversation about grading and sort of where do we go from here? And I think anyone can learn from this, definitely leadership, but I think teachers will appreciate this conversation as well. So if you want to take a look at any of those resources, head to our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 118. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope that these tips and ideas are going to help you and your students wrap up the school year, and we wish you all the best. We are really looking forward to hearing from you, so be sure that you submit those tips at googleteacherpodcast.com because we want that episode to be all about you. We're we're done. You can tell I'm already out of words. (laughs) The season is over, and it's time for you to share. Yes, absolutely. We're looking forward to that. So again, think of your top tips, your top ideas, any of the solutions that you've come up with, anything that could be helpful to the other listeners, we would love to feature you. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all that you're doing for your students. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that G Suite power and may the Googles be with you.